Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. is talking about what we're for, not against. And I saw this, this contrast yesterday uh, going to the Husky football game. And so a friend of mine invited me to go to a game, and we, we parked, and we were walking through campus. And it was like the classic game day. Like, you know, it was raining a little bit, but the beauty of the campus on the university and the different leaves and the trees, and, and everybody's moving toward the stadium. We, we came down over a bridge and looked over the sea of tailgate parties are happening, and people are just having a great time. You're smelling the, the brats cooking on the grill, and, you know, we walk by and there's ESPN because it's the it was a nationally broadcast game and and it was just really that raw raw moment and, you know it was so fun to be excited and you know it's amazing you get in the stands and you're high fine total strangers you know and when there was a, when there was a touchdown and everything and it was so fun but what kind of tainted it was was we're going into the stadium and there was a guy with a blowhorn going, you need Jesus, turn and repent of, of your sins or you're going to burn in hell over and over again. I'm like, dude, I'm like, this is not helpful. Like if you ever been in those moments, like this is not the setting, this is not the place. Yes, he's saying true. He's speaking like, if you don't know Jesus, we get that message of the gospel, but this is not the setting. What he's sending, selling, he's, he's sending this message that that it's that God's against you. He's not for you. It's like no. I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to t- and go after him. But I, what are you going to do? I just crazy. It's almost like I was getting kind of punched in the face every time I I hear that. And people are you you know ignoring him and turning him out. Like oh, no wonder people are like that's not relevant. Like there's still that message that many people out there think the church is against them, that God's against them, and it's completely opposite. It's completely opposite. Yes, there's the reality of hell with a, you know, that if we enter a Christless eternity, we get that. But no one needs to be condemned. They need to be drawn in. And that's the heart of Jesus. You read through the whole Gospels that, that Jesus was for people. He spoke the truth, but he did it in a relational way. Jesus could have been, if anybody could have been anti-anything, but instead he was proactive, pro-marriage, pro-truth, pro-grace, and more importantly, pro-love. He came, as we read last week, to proclaim the good news to the poor, proclaim the freedom to the prisoners and recovery for the sight of the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was not against. He was all about for. And no, there was pushback. You know, when you are for something, there's also those that are against you. So in all of it, he was anti-evil and he was anti-religious. In fact, it was the very religious people were the ones that called for his crucifixion. Jesus was for, and the greatest thing he was for, was for love. Last week we read this, and it continually undergirds everything we're talking about here in these weeks and beyond, is this command that Jesus gives. This new commandment I give you. This is what Jesus is for. Love one another as I have loved you. So the world, oh sorry, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This new command, this new one thing that you're to be known for, not against. Tell you, blowhorn man didn't get it. 
didn't understand, as much as there's a message in there of, of speaking of passion, of hope, it's not the way you do it. It's not done in love. And love would be the mantra. The love would be what Jesus is about and we are called to be about. And he, he shares this, this, those words and that commandment, but he also does it in this, the context of his final words to his disciples. In fact, we have in the scripture the final recordings of Jesus' prayer, not only for his disciples, but for us. Listen to this in John 17. He says, my prayer is not only for them alone. I pray also those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus is this command not only of loving one another, but to do this in love, but also to do it together in oneness. That the what the world will know, the world will know that through the love we have not just about loving them, but loving one another and the unity we have, that people will go, and I don't know if I believe all that. I don't know if I believe in the Bible or God and all that you believe in. I'm not sure if I really see the value in all that. But boy, you guys sure love each other. Man, you guys sure care about each other. What is it with you? And they're drawn in because of the unity and the love we have for one another. That was Jesus' prayer, that we would be one in his love. And as we're going to look at today, an incredible story. It was one of my favorite stories of Scripture of collective, incredible faith of coming together as community. See, at Christ the King, for over 30 years, we've had this mission. This is our mission. is to create an authentic Christian community that effectively reaches out to unchurched people through love, acceptance, and forgiveness so that they may experience the joy of salvation and the purposeful life of discipleship. I love where it starts with, this is what we want to do. An authentic Christian community. But not just some old connection, you know, authentic Christian community, normal Christian community, but one that is unique. One that actually reaches out. And in that reaching out together, there is this experience of, of the joy of salvation and a, a life of purpose. If you could sum it up, what I want to even to have us just to think about for a couple minutes our mission statement is this, that there is a win when you are one. That there is a win when you are one. We all love the wins, and if you were a dog fan yesterday, we didn't get the win over the ducks. But what is amazing, what I loved about watching it all is the camaraderie that I had with people that I was gathered together. Like I said earlier, high-fiving people that I didn't know that when the touchdowns happened and the celebration was there, there's something about collective unity that, that comes together. And in that, that prayer that Jesus said that we be one, there, there is a win. But we love wins. Wins are what keep us going and move us on. Tomorrow evening, we're going to be celebrating some wins with our, our leader dinner. But what God has done in us and what God has done through us. But in that love, in that unity, we can find the wins. But the wins are, be, are beyond just ourselves, but something greater that we're called to, and I would say greater that we're to fight for. Today, I just want to talk about is in unity community, how we can fight in the good fight for our friends. And there's a passage of scripture that I want to look at here today. I love this story. And as we prepare to look at this scripture for the remaining minutes, I want to challenge us to I just ask yourself this question. Who are you fighting for? Who am I fighting for? 
And what are not fighting against? We don't need blowhorns, guys. We need people. Who are we fighting for? Who is it in your life that you're fighting for, that you're believing for, that God can do something in them? So as we hear this story, I want you to keep that person in mind or those couple people in mind. We'll come back to that to pray before we end. Chapter 5 of Luke, of, chapter, of the book of Luke, verse 17, follow along here. It says, one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. And they come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Here, Luke, who's actually a physician, says, listen, Jesus is healing people. He's doing a work, but we're going to read later. He does even a greater work than this healing. Here, Jesus is out in open air, and then he decides to go into someone's house. Imagine someone kind of, you know, someone like that, especially Jesus, coming to your small group. And everybody wanted to be there, to be a part of it. Because of that, it says, some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. We, we don't know much about these men at all, but there was something with them that compelled them. There was something about their, they knew that they had compassion for their friend, but they also had this, this belief, the belief that Jesus can do a work in this guy's life. And so they're, they're trying to get him through the door, but the place is packed and they're struggling. They're fighting through the crowd and they're trying to get him to Jesus. But he's paralyzed. He can't do it by himself. And, and it, not even just one person carrying him. It needed a group of people. And, and today, I just want to leave you some, some thoughts about this whole power of unity. That we need a group of people. We need a community to reach a community. We need a, a community that can help us with the, the wins that what God wants to do. That we can't win alone. But we can't do this by ourselves. I appreciate the sensitivity of the Lord leading Shane in prayer today. That some of you, even in worship, were, you, know, you lift your hand and say, I got a need. And people came around and you prayed. We need one another. We need to support each other. So here's some thoughts. The, the, the win and oneness. The first is this. If you're taking notes, you could write in your listening guide. The win and oneness is when others are there to carry us. When others are there to carry us. When our, when our son was little, he, you know, when he's tired, you remember your kids are tired and, and they, they, they want you to pick them up. And, they, and my, my son would go, hold you, daddy, hold you. And what are you saying? Because when, you know, kids are tired and they're dragging along, you're like, hey, buddy, you want me to hold you? You want me to hold you? And he's like, hold you. Now he's 20 and 6'3", and like, he's going to have to hold me up, okay? But don't we do that with the Lord? Isn't there moments we just go, daddy, daddy, hold you, hold you. And there's moments, and there's so much beautiful promise of Scripture or our Father that we can reach out to. I love Isaiah. It says, do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not, do, do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will be your, help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And that's powerful. The Lord can do that. But also there's times in our loneliness and the moments in our life that we need others around us physical contact with other people. I mean, we live in such a connected, virtual, you know, world, and yet we're, there's so much loneliness, and we need it. Here's a question I have for you. Who is there to carry you? Who is it in your life? Either there's some have minor or major disabilities, physical disabilities in this room. I know that that's the case, but many of us have emotional disabilities. We have some type of hurt, some type of habit, some type of hang up that's holding us back and we carry burdens. Each one of us carry burdens in our life. 
A group needs help in carrying one another's load. We all have a load. The Apostle Paul implores us this. He says, carry each other's burdens in this way that you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what is the law of Christ? Love. This new commandment, Jesus says, love one another. The law of Christ is love. And when we do that, you know what we end up doing? We end up fulfilling the very will of God in one another's life. If you're in a small group community, there's people that want to help you, encourage you, to carry you toward Jesus. If you, though, are in a community that doesn't do that work, if you're part of a small group community, even a church community that doesn't, isn't about helping you get carried to Jesus, but they actually spend more time complaining, <laughs> spend more time you know, complaining about other people, complaining about their problems, and, and no one say, hey, let's, let's bring it to Jesus, I would say get a new, get a new small group. Find a positive group of people. I'm not saying you keep it all like roses and everything's fine. No, we need to share our burdens. But we're trying to help people point them and actually bring them to that place by faith to, to Jesus. When we do that, that's where the win happens. So these band of brothers, were, they realized they were, the place was packed. They didn't have any access to Jesus. And so in desperation, they became a bit creative. It says in verse 19, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat and threw the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Why did they do this? Well, in your win for oneness, you know this, realizing desperate times call for desperate measures. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And so I want you to picture this raising the roof moment, okay? Just imagine with me these guys, they can't get their friend in there. What are they going to do? I don't know if they went to a whiteboard, you know, and started sketching out ways to get their friend to Jesus, right? What were the ideas? And I'm sure maybe they had a collective moment going, guys, what do you got? What do you got? What do you think? Hey, no, no, uh, good, no, uh, no idea is a bad idea. Anything, anything, anything. And you know, one of the guys says, you know, hey, why don't we lower our, our friend? Uh, actually, he goes, somebody goes, why don't we, why don't we like, I don't know, set the house on fire? Like, no, we're not going to set the house. That's a bad idea. Like, some, of that, some ideas are bad ideas. Like, that, that's not a good thing. Well, because then everybody can run out. And no, 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 that's, that's a dumb thing to do. Okay, we're not going to do that. So they're being a brainstorm a little bit. And finally, someone in the corner, it's usually the guy, you know, who's, who's kind of just not saying anything. And, you know, hey, Bernie. I don't think Bernie was a first century name back then. But, hey, what do you got any ideas? You're like, well, I wonder if we lower them through the roof. And that's what they come up with. They come up with this idea to lower him down to Jesus. Desperate times call for desperate measures. I'm just wondering how desperate you are. What, what is your urgency in your daily life and work and school, your neighborhood and people around you are to help bring people to Jesus? There's a risk. I know it calls, calls us to get out of our bubble and do things like have conversations with people. Okay? Now, don't use a blowhorn. That doesn't work. I saw that yesterday. That's not a good idea. But real conversations with people that actually can engage in such a way to begin to think because you're actually offering care and support to them. And there's moments, if you pray, there's moments the Lord will use your life in amazing ways because they'll see something different about you. And you begin to talk about the community of people that you have and what the support you get. And they're like, maybe I have, maybe there's something I can have what you have seen it over and over in my life. Because 
there's a group of people not just meeting together for authentic Christian community on their own. No, they're, 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 they have a unique community, that one that wants to effectively reach out. Warren Bennis, he's a leadership guru, says this, all great groups believe they're on, the mission, on a mission from God. All great groups believe they're on a mission from God. Do you believe your group? So if you're part of a small group, do you know that your group exists beyond being dipped in Bible study? Okay, your group exists to be a part of the work that the Lord wants to do in and through your life. And yes, there's moments that we are to care for one another and carry each other's needs toward that. But then there's a point that we need to be a community that effectively reaches out. And sometimes it takes some some creative ways to do that. You know, it it might be, you know, and here's a warning of the creative ideas. Is it is it cutting any holes in your ceiling? I know in our small group, it was suggested by my wife and the group we're part of, the, the group was getting too big around the table and she suggested to the people that own the house, you should take one of your walls out. And so that made it kind of interesting. So I don't know, you can have my, my wife come over and help you redecorate your home to make more space. But I'm like, wow, that's bold. Like, I guess that could work. But find creative ways, but it's beyond the walls of your, of your, of your group. Reaching out to people, especially in the Christmas season. You know, Christmas is coming. Costco's told us, right? Christmas, Christmas is here. It's coming. So how, what are some proactive things we can do? You're going to hear a couple opportunities as a church group. We're going to do that. What, what can your small group do? Talk about it this week. Brainstorm. There is, I tell you, to reach no one else is reaching, you got to do what no one else is doing. Are, are, we, are we doing the same thing over and over, expecting the same results, right? That's the definition of insanity. Look for new ways and new opportunities for people that you can reach out to. Brainstorm together. And what happens when you do, there's a win in oneness. And it's this, it's the power of collective faith. It's the power of collective faith. Look at verse 20. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. When he saw their, did you notice the there there? You see it? Their faith. Whose faith? The group, that small group of people, it was their faith that Jesus saw in them. Can you picture with me, Jesus is teaching away and sharing about the kingdom of God and they're all packed, this little home and they're listening to Jesus. And all of a sudden they look up and there's a rustling in the, you know, it's probably a thatch roof and there's like, you know, straw coming down and mud coming down. And like, what is, what, is a roof gonna cave in? What is happening? And all of a sudden everybody looks up and it's, it's, it's daylight. And then there's, all these little heads that pop up and they're looking like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden they see this dude lower down right in front of Jesus. And, and we know Jesus' response was, what are you guys doing? I'm sure the guy that owned the house going, what is going on? I just thatched that roof, right? But he sees these, their faith. It must have put a smile on his face. He could be like, oh my goodness, look at these guys. How incredible it is. They took desperate measures and they collectively believe in by faith of healing. I tell you, there's so many people in our life that we need to fight for. We need to fight for them and their faith. And it's the power of collective unity that happens. I tell you, I've seen God do so many things. I've seen collective faith coming together to heal people of cancer, to restore marriages, to help with leases on a parking lot. We, we, we've seen God do so many things, launch a new church. There's so many ways we've seen God work. And he wants to continue to do that. North Bay, we, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two, haven't we? We have. God has done amazing work. 
I love what Paul says in, about what community does. He says this, I mean, that I want us to help each other with the faith that we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. There's something powerful when someone shares their, their testimony, their life story, and, and, and how God's answered prayer and how God's transformed them. It's almost a shot in the arm of adrenaline going, oh man, if God can do that in, in that guy's life and that woman's life, man, he could do it in, in my life. That's the power of oneness. And, and, God's, and the Lord's just chuckling. He's just going, like, man, look at these guys' faith. Look how incredible what they've done. What a win what is about to happen for this man. See, finally, in going for the win and the oneness, know this, it reveals the forgiving authority of Jesus. It reveals the, the forgiving authority of Jesus. Listen to verse, end of verse 20. It says, as Jesus saw their faith, he said this, friend, your sins are forgiven. The man lowered down, helpless. His, and you read that like, well, Actually, he needs healing, Jesus, forgiveness. In fact, the Pharisees, it says the reaction, the Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, Jesus says, it says he, he knew what they were thinking. Why? Mental telepathy, when you're God, you can, you can do this. And ask, what are you thinking and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? They didn't say anything. They're like, well, he's doing this. What is easier to say? He says, your sins are forgiven or say, get up and, and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority over on the earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. What was happening is Jesus took this opportunity to reveal who he was, not only in the power to heal, but to forgive sin. It was Jesus and all Jesus and what Jesus did. But let's not forget, it was a group of people that loved each other enough, loved one of their own, unified together, and what took extreme measures because of their collective faith to help this man get lowered to Jesus. That is the power of community. That is what our world needs. The redeeming work of Christ, yes, but God wants to use us to bring people to Jesus. Can I tell you, we're called to help people not only find healing, but a second chance. Here's a question we're almost done here is this, who do you know that needs not only healing, but forgiveness? Healing's wonderful, yes, but it's a band-aid to the greater work of forgiveness of a person's heart. And I tell you, it's not going to be a blowhorn that's going to do it. Blowhorn people, please stop, okay? It's, it's not helping anybody. What truly people need, I don't know what your blowhorn is, if it's, if it's, you know, out in the square or Facebook, okay? Don't do it. Stop it, okay? What people need is love. And they need the collective unity of us coming together saying, here is an opportunity for you to experience Jesus. Can we help you get to that place? I don't know if it's in a living room or a coffee shop or break room or high school cafeteria or soccer field and parent sidelines. I don't know what it is, but this moment you can have in unity. And I tell you what happens. Listen to what happened when it does happen. This once paralyzed man, he runs home. And it said this last part, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. 
Talk about a huge kingdom win. We have seen remarkable things. I don't know about you, but I'm into remarkable things. I'm into seeing God do remarkable things. But it's not us doing it by ourselves in our little corner. It's us being authentic Christian community, one that effectively reaches out, that's willing to take a risk, just to do raising the roof moments, to do something in faith. And when we do that, God is so pleased. God is so pleased with our faith and he'll do what he only can do, but he wants to use us to do it. So I told you as you heard this story at the end, asking this question, who is it that you know that you could fight for this week? Our next step this week is to ask, who is it? Put a name down. Before you leave, think of a person here before we go to prayer that you're fighting for this week. You're fighting for them in prayer. You're, you're encouraging them. You're with them and, and care, helping carry them toward Jesus. And when you do that, don't do it alone. Bring their name up if appropriate. Bring their name up in your small group saying, I've got a friend that needs prayer and I want to help him find Jesus. I want to help her find Jesus. And she's in need. And she, bring them collectively. We carry each other's load together. The, the burdens and the things that we have even in our own life. Who has God called you to carry? I invite our team to come as we, as we pray. And as they, as they come, we're getting past our time here. But if they come, I want to encourage you just to close your eyes now as we pray. And I want you to think of the people in your life. I know this is, I, I'm trying to limit it, but just don't think of 10 people, just think of a couple people. And in fact, maybe there's one person. I want you to picture them right now. I want you to picture their, their need right now, what they need. Some of you are like, oh, they need physical healing, they've got troubles, they've got financial issues, there's a lot of things. You know, I think of my friend Josh, and it's just amazing how God's working and, and already providing. Uh, we, we, those are people like that that we can help. But there's also people that are in spiritual need. There's people that don't know the Lord. And they put, God put them in your life so they can experience the hope. Not just healing, but they experience forgiveness. That man, as much as he needed the ability to walk again, well, he needed, Jesus knew he needed, he needed forgiveness of his soul. And you know someone today that's in that case. In, that case. in fact, you know them so well because you looked at them in the mirror this morning. It was you. You're going, man, I need, I need healing. But not only I need healing, I need forgiveness. So I want to include you in a prayer today as we pray for those people. You're that person that needs healing, needs forgiveness. I also want to encourage you one more time as we pray. I want you to begin to think as a community, the small group that you're part of. And again, if you're not in a positive group that's doing this, find a different group. But get with people that we can collectively do this, that we can unite together in love by faith. You see, to lower people to Jesus and let Jesus do what only Jesus can do. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time and opportunity. Thank you collectively today, all that is happening, even in our worship time, and even, God, how we've collectively did by faith and giving in offerings and being generous to our brother, Josh, and we pray a blessing upon him and his roommates. But Lord, God, you put people in our heart and our mind right now, people that we write down, people that we, we picture them right now this week that we're gonna have contact with. That, God, you're going to, at our work, at our school, people that we live with, that, God, you're going to use us. And so, Lord, we blowhorns don't work, but your spirit does through conversation of our love and compassion toward them. God, I pray that you would help us by your spirit be able to reach out in genuine ways, 
not only individually, but we do that collectively as, as small groups of community people that we love and we care because of our compassion that comes from you, that we can bring them to you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for those here today, what they really need is to bring themselves to you, that they lay at your feet, Lord, that you can bring healing and hope and more importantly, forgiveness for their sin and where they're at, that they're not destined for a Christless eternity to hell, but are turned toward you in response to you today, not only to heal, but the power, your authority to forgive sin. God, we're grateful for that. Lord, help us as a group, give us creative ways that we can reach out to one another, to care for each other as you cared and loved us. We pray in Jesus' name.